0: Well, they usually call him Mr. Game 7, but for tonight, Justin Williams was Mr. Game 5 for the Washington Capitals as he scored the overtime winner to give them a 2-1 victory and give the Washington Capitals a 3-2 series lead over the Toronto Maple Leafs. Chris Okranitz couldn't be here tonight as he is down with Leafs Nation in Washington watching this game, and Omar and Jake were unavailable tonight as well as they had some other obligations. But have no fear, I have recruited some help for tonight, I have a classmate of mine from Centennial College. Uh, Patrick Allen has joined us tonight, uh, you know, itching to talk some Leafs. <laughs> kind of a tough one to bring him in after Leafs loss, but uh, just want to thank Patrick for uh, coming in tonight and just want to get his sense of uh, what you thought of the game, Patrick. What did you think of tonight's game? And obviously a tough one for the Leafs.
1: Uh, well, first off, thank you for having me. Happy to jump in here. It's down to talk some Leaf hockey, but um, yeah, no, no. Uh, Losing in overtime, it, it just kind of felt like it was, you know, Justin Williams scoring. It kind of seemed
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it looked like, you know, throughout the game, the Leafs were, were, were doing a good job keeping up with the Capitals. There was uh, some shenanigans going on, which we'll get to a little bit later. But I mean, going into overtime, it just looked like it could have been anybody's game. And when you look, when you have a guy like Justin Williams who's done it before in the past, you're expecting when he's got the chance that he's going to bury them. And I guess just, just a tough play, good tic-tac-toe behind the net and Johansson setting him up in front. Not much Anderson can do. Not much the defense can do. Uh, thoughts on how you thought the Leafs responded after what probably was a, not, not their best performance of the playoffs. Obviously they try to catch, try to come back in that game, but a much better effort from game four, but just, just one that got away from them tonight, huh?
1: Yeah, it really was. I felt like the Caps were right for the taking. Um, it was frustrating, really. The one thing that stands out to me was the fact that they couldn't get anything going on the power play. Um, there was three, I think, consecutive power plays that just couldn't even break into the uh, offensive zone. They just passed back what they seemed to be employing. Washington just stood still and kind of picked them play. So I really feel like this game... Washington dominated it you could really capitalize on the opportunities and beliefs Leafs you, you could not really put them away and you just got a feeling as the game wore off and the team's treated chances that you know it was going to be an ugly goal that, that ended up doing it. And um, you know it wasn't the best goal by Williams but as you said it was kind of a defensive breakdown. The Leafs you know, with the forwards coming back with play and uh, Williams was left alone in the spot and uh, through the 5 through the hole on Anderson so yeah. Uh, I think there's still a lot of places that they can improve, but I think one of the important messages is that, once again, they didn't play a very good game, but they still managed to take, you know, the President's Trophy winner still over time and they only lose by uh,
0: one goal. Yeah, I mean, Frederick Anderson had a good game for the Leafs. We, we kind of talked about, and it's been talked about going into this game, that if any team were going to try to break away in this series, goaltending was going to have to be the the thing to get that team out with him. so I mean Brayden Holpe certainly played well tonight I think Anderson had a tougher night in that, but obviously it didn't work out for him but when you, when you look at tonight's game I think one of the one of the observations I can make is where the Leafs maybe have let an opportunity go to waste was the power play I mean the Leafs were were gifted some some I would say terrible decision by the Caps but just some unlucky breaks that didn't go the Capitals way and the Leafs could have made them pay for it but obviously didn't happen uh I mean thoughts on what you thought of the power play or lack of power play tonight for the Leafs
1: it was just frustrating more than anything because you know the first one happened where they uh you know they couldn't break into the zone but then the Capitals kept taking you know stupid penalties at least one of the two that followed were and the Leafs just it kind of seemed they were just going back you know they weren't adapting to the fact that what they were you know putting out on the ice wasn't working for them and they just kind of kept going back to the well and it you know had the same result every time so I just I feel like a a good film session tomorrow is going to hopefully you know reveal ways that they can penetrate the Capitals in the offensive zone and because once they got possession they were an exciting team and looked like they were close to getting chances but it's just about you know getting into the zone and getting that possession that uh really they couldn't seem to get a handle on all night
0: yeah i mean when it, it looked like it wasn't I, I don't know if it was just the leafs the leafs were getting in the zone it just establishing some sort of presence in the zone and getting shots on that they they just weren't clicking it tonight and I guess the series, the last few games, the power play hasn't really done what we've come to expect it to do during the regular season. But I guess if there is, that was probably the one factor I think that went against the Leafs tonight. But you think about uh, the way that the game started. I mean, the Capitals came out; they came out pretty good. I mean, they they outshot the Leafs eleven six in the first period, but the Leafs were able to stick with them and not let what happened in the first two games kind of dictate how the night was going to go did you find that the start gave the Leafs a better outlook on what this game could have been for them considering it was a one goal game and what's happened the last two games
1: well I mean once again they impressed me in the fact that you know Washington scored first and they managed to get that next goal um you know coming into it and you know with the amount of inexperience on this team I would have thought that you know the Capitals getting the first goal would just be you know was an insurmountable battle that they couldn't do, but they, you know they did fight with it. And I think most important of all was Anderson. You know that uh, the the save that he made that had to be reviewed. I forget who shot the puck where he just dives across the goal crease, that lateral movement, and pulls the puck back. It was just an unbelievable save, and that's just must be a huge rallying point on the bench to have your goalie come out like that. But um, you know, I, what, what do you think about it?
0: Well, I, I thought at first the Anderson save was unreal. I mean, I think if the Capitals scored there, I think that would have, I wouldn't say it would have sunk the Leafs, but it would have definitely, the game would have probably gone from a different hole. Uh, Absolutely. I thought when you look at, yeah, I do agree. The Leafs definitely respond a lot better after they allowed the open goal. Um, obviously, when you look at a guy that's going to kind of pick up the Leafs when things aren't, going their way, Austin Matthews. I mean, that line has been a thorn in the capital side tonight. And once again, you know, you have great puck retrieval in the offensive zone. They're relentless, cycling the puck really well. And then William Nylander makes a nice play just to get it in front and find, and Matthews is able to find it and put it past Holpe. How good has this line been for the Leafs? And maybe... Maybe they're not getting rewarded as much, but they've certainly come through when the Leafs definitely needed them.
1: I couldn't agree more. They've been unbelievable. And, you know, obviously Matthews has the goals, so it's easy to focus on him. But I think Nylander has even been more impressive, in my eyes, than Matthews, just because, you know, he, he gets probably unfairly. A lot of people criticize his consistency, but even on plays that don't result in any points or anything his control and just possession in the offensive zone just going around passing it you know looking for fresh uh fresh looks in front of the net it it, it just seems that you know the walk, the capitals defense cannot keep up keep up with him he has just so many tricks and um him and matthews together are just absolutely unbelievable and they were quite honestly i thought the fourth line played really well tonight as well but that that Matthews and Nylander line every time they were on the ice, I felt like they uh, they created uh, some really positive scoring chances.
0: Yeah, I mean, and just to give you some context on that Matthews goal, he was the first Leafs rookie since uh, Wendell Clark back in 1986 to score in three straight playoff games. I know some people were giving him a little bit of, I wouldn't say grief, but they were definitely thinking, when was Austin Matthews gonna? come out and finally get some get on the score sheet and he's done that the last few games and I do agree I think William Nylander has been a big part of that line success especially the way he's able to you know move around and create space in the zone and and find the open guys this this game though it while it was a very close game close battle I think if and I've heard I heard it from uh, John Shannon right after the game this game was just a mean old hockey playoff hockey game where they, there was no no regard for for the opponent and they were both teams were just going at each other with the physical play and obviously we've got the Nazem Kadri hit on Alexander Ovechkin which looked like it was going to be very bad at first looked like Ovechkin had seriously injured himself and then what do you know it he comes back in the next period and is able to and play the rest of the game just just your first thought on what you thought of the Kadri hit and whether you thought it was a dirty hit whether it was a bad hit what did you think of the hit at first
1: well to my first reaction and I kind of really haven't changed my mind on it um
0: I think by the letter of the law
1: I think it should have not been a penalty you know I saw on twitter people were sharing that clipping definition of you know clipping in the rule book which seems to indicate you know if a player goes after someone's knees with their body then it's a penalty but you know if you're gonna it's such a gray area hip checks that I have a problem calling it a penalty but that being said I didn't like the play from just a what the game should allow standpoint I always look at it as you know, if that was Matthews or Marner being hit how would I feel and I, I would I know for a fact if that if the shoe is on the other foot I would you know, think that that was an incredibly dirty hit on a young player. I, I think the fact that it was Ovechkin definitely resulted in the fact that it resulted in a penalty. And you know, I I, I admit again, I, I really thought he was injured, and then you know, lo and behold, he's back on the ice. You know, taking fifteen strides and hitting Jake Gardner about ten minutes later. So it's clear that you know he either had a miraculous recovery, you know, in that in that time period, or he was milking it a little bit to try to try to get a four-minute penalty. But um I understand both sides of the argument, you know, the old fashioned, you know, this is playoff hockey, it's rough and tumble, and also the people that, you know, kind of think that this is something that the NHL should be moving away from. Uh, How about you?
0: Well, when I first saw the hit, I definitely thought it was a low hit. Uh, When you go for any guys, I I don't think he, this this is the tough part, because I'm not sure if he went for the knee or if he was just going for that hip check. And the way Ovechkin was trying to get around him, he hit the knee. But again, he didn't try to avoid. Once he committed to that hit, he knew it was going to be a devastating hit. So I think the way I think at first, you could easily say that that hit was going to be was going to be catastrophic for the Capitals because it looked like Ovechkin was going to be down. And he was not going to come back, but once he came back, I think the tone kind of changed from you know. Is he gonna come back? Will this be a suspendable play? To now he's back, and then the tone of the game changed when he came back for that for that period. And you know you saw that the frustration from the Capitals players going right after Kadri, uh, Ovechkin himself taking uh, taking some penalties, which uh, eventually led to the slash that at first looked like Kadri was embellishing. Like and I and I said this on Twitter and I had to delete. Yeah, you had a great
1: tweet about that. I'm half brought it up. (laughs)
0: Um, Where where Kadri looked like he was a soccer player taking a dive, but and we're gonna get into this after he was slashed. Everybody was like, "Well, we didn't get the full proper angle of it. Where it wasn't just the Ovechkin slash. He got slashed also by Niskanen." that was probably one of the strangest things i've ever seen where people are like yep he died he meant to do it and then oh he had got slashed also by niskan and then people kind of have to take a step back um just what did you think of when you saw that play and were you kind of shaking your head or when you when you saw kadri go down like that like he had been shot in the leg
1: Well, I had, quite honestly, the exact same reaction as you. I know I sent out a tweet saying that it was embarrassing by Kadri and that he's never going to get any respect from players and, you know, even more importantly, the referees. But And then, because since I was right at the end of the period, um, I think about five minutes into the intermission, that that angle comes up where you see that Niskanen actually does, you know, slash him on the leg. And, you know, it's still an embellishment by Kadri. I mean, I, I can't really think of anyone making a persuasive argument that, you know, he didn't try to embellish him, but it is night and day. I mean, the other one, he gets tapped on the glove and he actually like got shot in the leg. Whereas this one, you know, it's at least the proper body part, but he definitely does a sales job on it. So, you know, I I mean, Kadri's Kadri. He's not going to change. And, you know, I, I wish that he wouldn't do stuff like that because, like, quite honestly, I don't think he needed to do the sales job. To, You know, the referee was right there and quite obviously saw it. So I think a penalty would have been called regardless. But, I mean, it plays into the narrative of the game. I mean, that's the tone that was established after the the his hit on Ovechkin. And, you know, as you said, Ovechkin going after a couple guys after that. And I'm sure plenty of back and forth. So that just played to the narrative. So I feel like, you know, it, it's kind of whatever goes at that point of the game. I mean, um, it, it was definitely interesting. And I agree that I don't think I've ever really seen a play like that before.
0: It was definitely a strange play, and when you look at when Ovechkin came back, he was definitely you know trying to spark his team and go point out some of that frustration on Leafs. And I think when you look at Kadri and when when he realizes his team is is feeling, I would get pushed around. They were getting pushed around a little bit. He, he he feels like he has to kinda of take it upon himself to change the tone of the game. So I think that that play right there, he's I mean, he's trying to he's trying to get a call from the referee. It worked and you know, he's a guy that will will take it to take it not to another level, but he will he'll try to make sure that he's he's getting an in in his opponent's face, getting on, getting on their last nerve, and I think he did a good job of that tonight, but I want to see more of the cadre from, you know, game four, you know, game three, or more game three than game four, we don't want to see anything from game four, uh, game three where he's, he's laying the body down, and he's, he's punishing guys with hits, hits that are clean, hits that are you know, they're sending a message. I, this is not the type of message I want him to be sending, but if it's going to throw the Capitals off the game, you have to kind of take it in stride. And I think that's kind of why guys on the team and why Leafs fans will accept selling that from Kadri if it's going to give the team some sort of you know, benefit in the end. Although the Leafs couldn't capitalize on those power play opportunities, definitely definitely put the Caps off their game for a little bit after it looked like they were, they were starting to you know get the get the wheels turning in their direction
1: oh I, I agree completely and you know you can say that you know he shouldn't have done that but um and, and by that i mean the the hit on ovechkin or wherever you stand on it but you can't really deny that he the hit you know regardless of how injured or not ovechkin was it it changed ovechkin's outlook on the game he no longer was offensively driven primarily he was trying to you know get involved physically and you know, with the exception of uh one shot on the power play which is you know a classic Ovechkin one timer you didn't really notice him on the offensive side of the puck it was just Ovechkin you know taking up hits Ovechkin after the whistle stuff like that so you know you can say that Kadri definitely was taken out of the game kind of by focusing on the physical stuff but if you're trading off Kadri for Ovechkin that's something I'll gladly take from the Leafs side uh, any day of the
0: week yeah so obviously Leafs fans are Wondering what 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 to think right now, you know you're down three, you know you're down a game. Game six is in Toronto. You need to win the game to force a game seven against a team that arguably should have been, you know, this series by how everybody was saying should have been over by now. But when you're when you're a team like this where you're having fun and you're you're catching everybody surprise. It's, it's kind of tough to think of you know next game being you know a do or it's a do or die game but it doesn't feel like that it kind of feels like you know this team can do it the team can overcome it but are you as nervous going into this game six if the Leafs weren't playing like they have been against the Capitals
1: uh that's a good question I mean I think kind of playoff hockey you're always inherently a little bit nervous but um I, don't, I didn't expect a lot for the Leafs coming into this series, so quite honestly, the fact that they've won two games and have a chance to push it to a Game 7, is it's kind of just like playing with house money. I think the most important thing for them to do is, is get the first goal in Game 6 on home ice, just because I feel like that's going to send the building into overdrive. And, you know, everyone knows the Capitals' history of choking in the playoffs, so I feel like, you know... A loud building and being down one nothing in a in a game where they can send the Leafs packing would uh, do a lot to uh, really uh, uh, jack up the tension for them.
0: Well, from what I was hearing from Chris tonight is that the Capitals building wasn't exactly buzzing as it uh, as it's usually. He was asking some of the workers whether or not this game was louder or loud like the other two games, and they said. This is probably the quietest that the Washington fans have been. So you can see that the Washington fans are not as, maybe not as confident. They're a little bit nervous going into these games against the Leafs. But now we're going to bring you into our, uh, our Bab quotes, uh, our Funya segment that we've been doing the last couple of podcasts. So obviously we take a quote from Mike Babcock and we talk about it. So here is Mike Babcock after the OT loss tonight.
1: I keep saying this to you and I don't know if you quite believe it, is you can't have any more fun in this. These games are good. We've been in overtime four times. It's a good competitive series. Uh, We believe we still have a chance to win. That's what we're going to do.
0: So Mike Backhawk is somehow finding this all to be fun. Many fans are not finding losing and being down 3-2 in a series very fun. But Mike Backhawk is certainly looking at the bright side of everything. Are you finding that his mentality, the way he's, you know, able to take fun out of a loss kind of helping the Leafs get over a heartbreaking loss like this
1: well I mean you got to think that he knows what he's doing at this point in his career you know having you know been to the Stanley Cup finals you know multiple times before having won a Stanley Cup gold medals and whatnot so I think he's doing quite a smart thing right now in not really making it a really you know difficult environment for his players to play in um Scotty Bowman used to say the best thing to do before an elimination game was make your players laugh. And I feel that the Leafs, I mean, no one expected them to make it this far. So if you just create it as, oh, this is a fantastic experience, we're having fun. I mean, I think that plays right to the heart of what the Leafs are. They're a young, energetic team that that proves people wrong. So I think forcing that narrative over something, you know, like, oh, well, it's it's win tomorrow or we're not going to play anymore would just be, you know, it it wouldn't be doing the team any favors, but, um, you know, and I'm also sure that it's a conscious decision. You know, there's a lot of smart people in that Maple Leafs front office that, you know, they've won before and they have that pedigree. So I'm sure that, you know, Babcock's strategy is something that is, um, uh, when he's built up over a long coaching career.
0: I do like how you say that, that it's something that Babcock Seems to carry around from team to team, and it's allowed him to be successful because this is why they're everyone's wondering how a coach like Babcock is paying the money he's being paid, why he's worth it. And this is this is the time where a coach earns his money regular season. Obviously, you got to get a team ready over 82 games, but the playoffs are a totally different animal, and just the way he's able to prepare these Leafs players. Unlike, you know, if we're watching if you're watching the Raptors series, I mean it looks like they have no preparation whatsoever. Um just you, you realize one, you have a quality coach like Mike Babcock and what it means to a team like the Leafs to get them ready for, you know, a series where they were serious underdogs. Like nobody had the Leafs winning the game you know, being in these games like they have been. I think game four was more of what people were expecting of the Leafs but obviously no they've kept them all close all within one goal which is something you're you're just you're just happy to see. Now game 6 will be in Toronto. Obviously the Leafs will have some advantage with having uh, you know the home ice advantages. Backcock will have his matchups hopefully all set to go. What do you anticipate going into game 6? Do you anticipate any changes Do you anticipate you know, this game to be a lot different from what we saw tonight. What are your thoughts going into this game six?
1: Um, def- not so much in terms of changes. I mean, I think that uh, um, you know, the thing the leaves need to focus on is not really anything you can prepare for, but just, you know, the classic get-off to a good start because I think that first goal is going to be so important, especially in a series like this one where every single game has been decided by one goal and four of the five games have gone to the overtime. So um, I'd like to see, you know, just just a great start, you know, start off with the the Matthews line going in. But I think that something that gets kind of lost in the postseason is just the advantage the Leafs have of Babcock being able to match lines because that's something that he really, you know, is such an essential part of his coaching, you know, method. But, you know, I can't really think of anything else other than that that the Leafs need to do in terms of changes. Um, I mean, can you think of any?
0: I the only thing I I can see, and Babcock kind of pointed this out in the in the post game conference was that, you know, the Bozak line, they they've had their moments in the series, but they haven't been what he's been looking for, and obviously he said that they need to kind of step their game up. So if I think if the Leafs are going to want any chance in this uh, in this game six. You know where you're gonna get from the from Austin Matthews and Neilander and Hyman. I think that Bozak line is again what the Leafs need if they wanna wanna come away with any you no, know, not just game, win game six, but win game seven too, because this is where again it gets tougher. Washington, while they may not have the best success of winning series no, sorry, that makes no sense. They have no success in you no know, moving on in the series. They know how to they have guys that have the pedigree to get it done. And I think the Leafs, I mean, it's going to be tough to match it, but they need a guy like Bozak, JVR, and Mitch Marner, who played just over 14 minutes tonight, which is definitely not what we're used to seeing Mitch Marner play. Those guys are going to have to step up. So I think if they want any chance in game six, it starts with that. Um, Babcock will have them ready. Uh, It's just whether or not those guys will be able to step up when the especially when the pressure is going to be all on the Leafs now. Oh,
1: I agree. That line, but it was by far the worst offensive line for the Leafs tonight. Um, you know, JVR with the exception of that, uh, you know, alone in front play that he had where he tried to sneak it through Holpe's pads. I mean, I can't really remember his name being used in a positive, uh, in a positive sentence the entire game. And you know, Bozak got caught flat footed a couple times in the defensive zone and was fortunately bailed out by Anderson. And, you know, Mitch Marner playing in his first playoffs. I mean, I, I it's really hard for me to be critical of the kid, but he, he didn't have a very good game tonight. And as you said, only 14 minutes. So that wasn't something that was, you know, just in my opinion. Obviously, Babcock and the coaching staff, uh, you know, there was just certain things. I mean, he tried to get too pretty on, um, I don't know if it was a power play, but there's a couple offensive opportunities in the first period that he got a little too pretty. He should have shot instead. you know, does a toe drag around. You know, looking for a new look when you just you got to get pucks on net because so many of the Leafs' goals this series have come, you know, off rebounds and the slot and stuff like that. So I think that definitely, if if they're going to move on, they need to have that line going because when it's clicking, that is, you know, it's been a great offensive line for the team and, and yeah, and also Bozak in the faceoff circle. I mean, I'm not sure what his uh, percentages are, but he's someone that you know is going to be on the ice a lot because of those defensive zone faceoffs that Babcock likes to put him out for. And you need him to be strong or at least above average defensively because you know, he's going to be in those situations.
0: Yeah. Just to give you an idea, Bozak was, uh, he he won nine faceoffs, lost 10 tonight. So, you know, under 50% tonight, which I mean, he's usually better. Kadri was not as good tonight on the faceoffs, but, uh, going into game six, they'll have a more favorable matchup. I think that will help them out. So, your prediction for Game Six? What do you think is going to happen?
1: Um, uh, I have a feeling that the Leafs are going to win, and that's probably the first time that I've said that in the entire series. You know, I don't want to get my hopes up, but um, I think maybe a, I'm going to say a three nothing win, uh, wow. two nothing, and then they're going to get an empty nickel.
0: Oh, you're predicting a shutout! Wow, if uh, yeah, if the other guys were here, th- I mean, this is usually where I come up with the outrageous statements. <laughs> so you're taking that spot for me tonight. I, I so. do, I. I'm going to go more in line of like a like a 3-2 win. I think it's going to be a one-goal game. This one, I think the Leafs cannot, and I repeat, cannot let go to overtime. They need to, A, come away with the first goal. I've, always, I've said it from the beginning. The Leafs need to come out strong, and if they come out with the first goal, and I'm going to predict that Austin Matthews will get the first goal because this kid will excel in this type of game, and he's always getting the first goal for the Leafs too. It's just you know, what he was born to do, and I think it's going to be a one-goal game, but I, I, I do agree with you. I think the Leafs will push this to seven. I think tonight, while they may not have had their best game and they didn't execute the way they want to, they still had what you needed from them. So, I just before we go here, I'm going to, you know, read out one more quote from tonight. It wasn't a quote directly in Mike Balcock's press conference, but... Uh, Jonas Siegel from the Canadian Press did uh, catch Mike Babcock maybe uh, showing off his confidence when he was talking to the event staff at the Verizon Center and saying, we'll be seeing you in a couple of days. So, Caps fans, Washington Capitals. Mike Babcock is not ready to say goodbye yet. Hopefully the Leafs are not ready to say goodbye either. But, uh, I just wanted to thank uh, Patrick for uh, joining us tonight. Uh, He... (laughs) I think you did pretty well considering uh, just you and I tonight. But uh, where can they find your work? I know you do some uh, writing for the Blue Jays who, unfortunately, right now are not hitting on all cylinders. But I guess we gave you a good break from them with uh, some hockey talk. So, Patrick, just before we go, we'll let you uh, tell people where they can find your work, where they can follow you on social media.
1: all right, awesome. Well, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. I hope to hop on uh, at another point, hopefully for a long playoff run for the Leafs. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter at PatrickAllen92. And uh, I'm a contributor for uh, Fansided's uh, Blue Jays site, Jays Journal. So you can also go there for content. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a privilege being on here. Thanks, Dave.
0: Yeah, no problem. So, as usual, you can find me on Twitter at D underscore Morissuti. And as Chris would always say, you can find our show on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Just search Tip of the Tower. Look for our stuff on Twitter at Tip of the Tower. Uh, and if you want to find us on Facebook, we're also there, Tip of the Tower. Just give us a search there. I want to thank you all for joining us again tonight. Hopefully, the next time we talk, it won't be at wrapping up the season, but we'll be talking about a potential Game 7.